millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Congratulations, true crime addicts. We've survived another week. It is Friday, September 23rd, 2022. And I've got some crazy true crime stories for you. I've got, you know, as always, I've got the top stories. If you miss a week, you miss a lot, as they say. And then we're going to go into cold case updates and genetic genealogy, some weird crime news and pop culture. I got it all for you. You know, I I, I go through all this so you don't have to. And then we just visit on Fridays. So, uh, yeah, anyways, it's me, James Renner. Uh, Welcome back to the podcast. And uh, a little business at the top of the show. I will be at the PNW True Crime Fest in Auburn, Washington. Uh, that's a true crime fest up it's outside SeaTac, Seattle, if you're in that area. Uh, PNW True Crime Fest, check it out online. Now, the festival goes Saturday, October 8th, Sunday, October 9th. I'll be there on the 9th. So if you got to pick a day, that's probably the day you want to go. And I'll be on a panel talking about true crime writing with the one and only Greg Olson and several other true crime writers you're going to want to know about. All right. Well, you know, we're, we're coming up on a year anniversary next month. we got another month. But I've been doing this for about a year, and every week the audience grows, which is very exciting to see. And I know it's annoying when people say, you know, punch that subscribe button or, you know, leave a rating or, or comment or whatever. That's always helpful. But uh, even more than that is if you tell somebody about it. If you know somebody that likes true crime, tell them to come here for their info. Uncle James will help. Um, I'm going to drop that, Uncle James. That just sounds creepy. Anyways, top stories. There's only one top story this week. Nothing else can compete with the release of Adnan Syed. Um, So if you are just... If you, if you didn't follow Serial, which, you know, maybe there's one or two of you out there, I'm going to do a quick summary. I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about the case, and then we'll tell you about the breaking news that happened. As I predicted last week, I said, you know, probably by this time next week he'll be out, and he's out. Congratulations. So here we go. This story begins in January, January 13th, 1999, back before the, the millennium switch. That was the last day that 18-year-old Heyman Lee was, found, was seen alive. This happened in Baltimore County, Maryland. Heyman Lee attended Woodlawn High School. It's outside Baltimore. She, she was an athlete. She played lacrosse and field hockey. Now, she was born in South Korea. Came to the States with her mother and her brother in 1992. Now, the year before her murder, a classmate named Adnan Syed asked her to the junior prom. 
and they started going steady. And actually, at that prom, he won prom king. He was a very popular student and athlete himself. Now, there were some issues there from the very beginning, though. Adnan was uh, Muslim, and he was not supposed to be dating, not supposed to be associating with, with females, really, on the regular. And uh, so they had to keep it quiet. They broke up mostly because of this, this hiding out type of thing that had to go on. They broke up in December 1998. Now, remember, she goes missing January 13th. Now, Adnan, according to friends, took the breakup kind of hard. Some other friends of hers said he keep, kept pestering her, as you do when you're 17. Hayes starts seeing a co-worker. She was working at Lens Crafters. Remember Lens Crafters? She started dating a co-worker named Don Kleindenst. Now, they both worked at Lens Crafters. In fact, uh, his mother was the store manager. Uh, and I should also note that Don Kleindenst was 22. Heyman Lee was 18, still in high school. January 13th, Heyman Lee leaves school in her 1998 Nissan Sentra. She's supposed to pick up a niece, I believe. She disappears. She doesn't make it there. Uh, she's reported missing right away. And Adnan was a suspect from the very beginning. Now, about a month later, they found Heyman Lee's body. In fact, a guy named Alonzo Sellers. You're going to meet a lot of weird characters in this story that come out. If You should listen to Serial if you haven't already. Um, so Alonzo Sellers finds her body in the woods. Now, it's in this place called Lincoln, uh, Leakin, sorry, Leakin Park. It sounds like Lincoln Park, but it's Leakin. L-E-A-K-I-N, Park in West Baltimore. She's partially buried. Now, Alonzo is driving to work, I believe. Works, like, you know, not far. But his story that he tells police later is that he had to stop to take a leak. And so he stops the car, walks across the street, and then another 100 feet or so into the woods where he finds... Hey Minley's partially buried body. It's a weird story, and weirder too if you look into Alonzo's uh, past, where he has a history of indecent exposure. So, police are, you know, what's up with this guy? February 28th, police find Hey Minley's car. Now, remember, she disappeared. Her car's also missing. Now, they later claim that a friend of Adnan's named Jay led them to the car and confessed to helping. Adnan move Hay's body. He said Adnan threatened to get him in trouble for buying 10 pounds of marijuana and roped him into helping him get rid of this body. What a ridiculous story, not the least of which is who buys 10 pounds of marijuana? What, you know, um, I don't think you would, I just, I can't wrap my head around that. I don't think Snoop Dogg buys 10 pounds of marijuana at a time. Anyways, the... Uh, one of the cops that got Jay to confess and then point the finger to Adnan gets in a lot of trouble later for um, keeping evidence away from a prosecutor in a different or a defense attorney in a different case. There's a guy that gets exonerated after being in prison for so long because of the actions of this cop who's directly involved with this whole thing. Anyways, they they arrest Adnan who's 17 years old, and they charge him as an adult. 
for the murder of Heyman Lee. Absolutely no physical evidence links Adnan to this crime. Now, the first trial that they had in 2000 it ended in a mistrial. It's a longer story there, but um, ended in a mistrial, and Adnan was convicted in a second trial in 2000. He was sentenced to life plus 30 years. I always like, that always seems like an extra unnecessary jab when you sentence somebody to life and then you tack on some, some more years. It's like, okay, you know, one, one lifetime is not enough. If there's ever a way to bring you back, you're going to do an extra 30 years. So, and I know that's not how it works. You want to get pragmatic and send me a comment. I know, but it just sounds weird. So he's convicted, sentenced to life in prison plus 30 years for a crime uh, that occurred when he was 17. So he sat in prison for 14 years. And then in October 2014, Sarah Koenig came along with Serial the Podcast and broke the story wide open, told it to everybody. This was the beginning of the true crime uh, podcast sensation, the true crime movement. You can all be traced back to this. And if you like to get into the history of uh, and philosophy of true crime, I have this other podcast, The Philosophy of Crime, and I have an episode. In fact, I think it's the very first episode of Philosophy of Crime where I delve into how this true crime business started. And Serial's a big part, but its I don't think it's the actual very beginning of it. And I give an argument that uh, suggests that the girl with the dragon's hat too is what inspired and made Serial possible. And the events of 9-11 is what shaped that book. So I think my theory is it all goes back to 9-11. So anyways, October 2014, Serial comes out, everything changes. I remember back then too, like I hear, hear about a podcast is, is, getting, is getting in the news and people are listening to this podcast. And it's like, it seemed to me that we're going back to like old radio plays. I'm like, no way will that ever be a thing. I was wrong. Serial's been played more than 100 million times. Hosted by Sarah Koenig. She becomes a character in her own story, just like a modern day true crime in general, true crime addict, probably wouldn't be a thing without it. In 2016, a judge vacated Adnan's conviction and ordered a new trial, but wouldn't let Adnan out on bail at the time. So this isn't the first time his conviction's been vacated. It's happened before, but the prosecutors were still like fiercely fighting it. And so he had to stay in prison while these appeals were working. And uh, the prosecution lost their first appeal. Now, they appealed again to the Maryland Court of Appeals, which reversed the findings in that first case that vacated the conviction. They reversed it, meaning the conviction still held. It was a four to three vote. They denied his request for a new trial and sent Adnan back to prison. Ouch. That brings us to the beginning of 2022. Now, since Adnan was arrested while he was a juvenile... There was a review process that came about in the state of Maryland, and the chief of sentencing, the the chief of the sentencing review unit, was a woman named Becky Feldman, and so she started going back through these 17 boxes of evidence and notes in the case. And among all that, all those documents, she found two handwritten notes that referenced other suspects. Now, 
it's not just interesting because the police had some tips about a, a specific suspect in this case that was never really followed through on. That, that's interesting, but that's not what ended up freeing Adnan. What fr freed him was the fact that uh, Becky then called, Becky Feldman then uh, called the defense attorneys and asked them if they'd ever seen these notes, and they said no, which makes, makes it technically a Brady violation. That's a, a, a rule in these uh, trials that the defense must be able to review any exculpatory evidence, any evidence that might help their client. So that's, so once, once the Brady violation was found, the prosecutors then went to the judge and said, hey, we got to vacate, please help us vacate this, this conviction. So this time it wasn't the defense attorneys arguing that Adnan should be free. It was the prosecutors, which is kind of a big deal. So anyways, they, they, they released him on Monday. Now, another player in this whole story is a woman named Rabia Chowdhury. And she was a childhood friend of Adnan's. And if you follow this on social media at all, you've definitely seen her name. Rabia took the story to Sarah Koenig back in the day, by the way. She's the one that kind of gave it to the people that made it as big as it is. And after Serial was released, Rabia wrote a book and she started her own podcast about the case called Undisclosed. And in that podcast, she goes methodically through all the evidence. She talks, more, we learn a lot more about Adnan, and uh, it's even more compelling that he, he's innocent. So uh, many see Undisclosed as the definitive unbiased take on the case. Maryland, by the way, has 30 days where they can bring uh, new charges against Adnan. Nobody expects that to happen. A lot. So that's the story so far. That brings you up to speed. Now, a lot has happened in the last couple days, and I, I, I want to fill you in on that. And it's a little bit of tea, a little bit of inside baseball, but now that you know the case, hopefully you're interested. So Adnan was released on Monday. Rabia uploads a video of Adnan right away, and he's snacking. He's going through a refrigerator, and he's trying all these treats he hasn't had in, like, 22 years. And uh, he just, you know, you, you can sense the joy and the, ha the relief, and, the, and it, it's, it's moving. So check it out. Later, Rabia tweets this, and I got a kick out of this. Quote, I keep, I keep getting asked this question, and I'm only answering it once because, first of all, this is not my role in his life, but also people get a grip. Adnan is not looking to hook up or meet any of the very thirsty, or I mean interested, ladies reaching out. Sorry, ladies. Uh, not at this time, she says. Then, on Tuesday, a new episode of Serial was released. They, they, they called it episode 13, like the last eight years have never happened. Um, so uh, Sarah Koenig drops a new episode of Serial covering the release of, of Adnan. And of course, it's number one across all the boards. You check on Chartable, which charts these things, type in Serial. Oh, my God. It's like every category. It's number one. So again, they're, they're at the top of the charts. Then I wrote, so this is where things get a little heated. There's a lot of emotions going on. Ira Glass, who's the guy that started This American Life and produced Serial, um, he's, you know, the, you know, very well respected. Now, he tweets, 
quote, Sarah's coverage is still better than anyone else's. Ouch. Now, maybe it's hard to tell in a tweet what your intentions are, but this was taken by a lot of people as a direct attack on Rabia, whether he meant it or not. Rabia immediately clapped back, quote, the beauty of this tweet is that it is exhibit A of my criticism of your podcast. Instead of acknowledging mistakes and correcting them and reporting new developments with due credit, you triple down into your faulty narrative and reporting. Thanks for proving my point. Uh, it was definitely at least tone deaf uh, if that was in fact a specific jab at Rabia. It is somebody at a very high position punching down, which never looks good. Um, so, yeah, there's that. And then on The Daily Show, if you watch that, Trevor Noah suggested that maybe podcasts replace juries in upcoming trials. If it's podcasts that are setting people free, maybe they deserve to be part of the justice system. Might be taking it a little too far. I'm hoping that's satire. So where's the case now? Well, on March 10th of this year, a joint motion was filed by the prosecutors and defense to have Heyman Lee's clothes tested for DNA. And it's amazing to think about this, but her clothes, remember her murder happened in 1999, her clothes have never been tested for DNA because the, the technology at the time didn't really exist. And now it's so good that even the smallest amount of material uh, can lead you to a suspect. So this happened March 10th, never been tested before. Now, I wonder, I wonder, this is about the time you'd be getting the test results back. Were they trying to get out of ahead of themselves, knowing that there was some DNA evidence coming back that was not pointing to Adnan, but maybe one of their other suspects? That's conjecture. But the timing works out. I don't know. We'll see in the weeks uh, ahead. Uh, they also mentioned that they now understand that one of these other suspects that was mentioned in those papers uh, is important because Hayes' car was found directly behind a house of a relative, uh, an acquaintance of his. So, wow, what a story. Great week for true crime. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the summary. That is the top story of this week. I've got lots more coming up, cold case updates, genetic genealogy movement in the Nancy Eagleson case, and we got to talk about the jetpack guy out in L.A. Uh, we'll be right back in two and two. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, guys. It's me, Walter, from True Crime This Week. Hey, I want to tell you something. Now, you may not know this, but I went to Columbia University. And you know who the mascot of Columbia University is? It's this blobfish, perhaps the least intimidating mascot of pretentious universities. If only there were a blip recruiter for university mascots. For anyone else looking to hire the best candidate for a position, blipprecruiter.com provides up-to-the-minute resumes from the leading professionals of your industry. Give blipprecruiter a try now and enter code POOPFART for a 15% discount on your first 10 applicants. That's blipprecruiter.com dot geocities backslash poopfart. And we're back with Simon and Simon starring Jameson Parker. Got some cold case updates for you. Kristen Smart, some movement in that case this week. You know, there's a trial going on right now. Now, you, now this news was kind of eclipsed by Adnan's release, but this also happened this week. The prosecutors in the Kristen Smart case have rested their case against Paul Flores, the last person seen with Kristen Smart before she disappeared in 1996. He walked her, he, remember this, she was drunk, she inebriated somehow, impaired, and he helped her back to her dorm. And this is a very difficult case. Remember, this is a no-body homicide, the rarest of criminal cases brought to trial. Hard to prove when you don't have a body, but they brought it against, and they've got a pretty compelling case. And the prosecutors ended their, their case against Paul Flores in a very dramatic fashion. This is according to the LA Times, who have been covering the case. 
out of San Luis Obispo. They showed, uh, the prosecutor showed the jury a sexually explicit photo of a woman with a red ball gag in her mouth on the bed of Paul Forrest in his home, uh, which is an image that they found on his computer. Now, the woman is not Kristen Smart, but here's why they used it. There were two other women who testified in this trial that, that Paul Flores raped them. And their stories were similar. They said he took them home, gave them a drink. Shortly after drinking the drink, they became uh, unconscious and woke up and he was having sex with them. They both described a red ball gag. So that picture basically corroborates a very important detail in both these women's stories, lending them credibility. Another woman claimed that Paul admitted to the murder to her. So even though they don't have a body, they're building a pretty compelling case in this trial that began way back on July 18th of this year. Now, the defense attorneys are pointing out, of course, that there's no evidence and they don't even for that matter, know that Kristen Smart is dead. I mean, obviously she is, but that's the defense attorneys, and they do have a point. For more info on this case, check out the podcast Your Own Backyard, which covers it in incredible detail. They caught Fat Leonard. I'm a little sad about this, but, you know, how fast could Fat Leonard run? Probably not very fast. Uh, he was not able to avoid police, and The Guardian has the story, which is in the liner notes later on. Now, I, I mentioned Fat Leonard a couple weeks ago, but let me refresh your memory. He's the guy that defrauded the U.S. Navy out of $35 million. He said, hey, I'm going to service your ships uh, or fix them up and give me this money. And I think very little actually went into that. It went in, more of it went into his pockets, and he was using money to bribe Navy officials, and he was offering them all sorts of crazy stuff, like prostitutes and uh, luxurious hotels. So eventually somebody, probably some accountant figured this out. And lots of people were involved in his scheme. They all came crashing down because once caught... Fat Leonard flipped and he agreed to testify against all these people he had dealings with and he sent 30, he helped the government send 33 of them uh, to, well, convict 33 out of the 34 other suspects. And he was placed on house arrest in San Diego and he was awaiting prison. All his deals were up. He was about to go in when he decided to cut off his ankle monitor and hightail it out of town as if he could escape. It's very weird. So uh, the U.S. officials weren't wasting any time. They issued a red notice, which sounds really bad. It's got to be worse than like, super worse than a green notice, right? Or a yellow notice. You don't want to mess around with the red notice. Red notice means that like every, every department in the world is looking for you. And that's how they got him, because he tried to board a plane in the Caracas airport, which is in Venezuela. And he was flying somewhere else. He was trying to probably get to a, a non-extradition treaty country. They got him. Um, it's weird. You know, I, I wonder, I don't, if you're that high profile, you can't run. 
but I think about that line from Minority Report when they finally catch Tom Cruise and, and they're like, dude, where, where are you going? And he's like, well, everybody runs. I guess it's human nature. Over in the world of genetic genealogy and DNA, it's been a heck of a week. At the Porchlight Project, which is the nonprofit I'm a part of here in Ohio, we raise money for new DNA testing and genetic genealogy for cold cases here in Ohio, the great state of Buckeye. Wait, the great state of Ohio, the Buckeye State, as they call it. And I'm talking about the Nancy Eagleson case. This is the 14-year-old girl who was abducted and murdered back in 1960 in Little Paulding, Ohio, which is near the border of Indiana. On Sunday this last week, there was a, the family had a big benefit. We went down there. Uh, Nick Edwards from uh, True Crime Garage was down there too. And uh, they had this musician who grew, grew up in Paulding named Paul Miles. And oh my gosh, this guy can play the blues. Check him out on YouTube, Paul Miles. Over the last couple months, we've been working with Uncovered.com. And if you're a true crime fan, check out Uncovered.com. It, it's amazing. They have all these cold cases you learn about. They have the best summaries, but they also include very remarkable timelines and maps. It's a great resource, and even police are using it these days. So Uncovered.com was a part of it. They're the ones that kind of put this on our radar. Uh, and I mentioned Nick Edwards from True Crime Garage. Also, Ashley Flowers Audio Chuck, um, they've donated a significant amount of money that's, that's helping us do all this. What are we doing? We're, we're trying to exhume. We want to exhume Nancy Eagleson's body. So we've been raising this money trying to, because it's very expensive to do that. Uh, <laughs> but on Tuesday of this week, so the fundraiser on Sunday, on Tuesday, there was a hearing in Paulding County in front of a judge. I went down. Lucky, luckily, I did. There's a judge uh, uh, wear camp, and they were hopefully going to grant a motion to allow us to exhume Nancy's body. I did not expect that when I showed up that day that I was going to have to testify, but I did. I did the, you know, raise the right hand and everything. I told him what the Porchlight Project could do for the case, and the judge granted the motion. And now, in just a couple of weeks, we're going to exhume Nancy Eagleson's body. We're hoping to find DNA that they missed in 1960 or some sort of evidence that might finally point us to Nancy's killer. So I'll be, I'll be updating you on that as we go. Here's an excellent story about the use of DNA. It's not technically genetic genealogy, but it's, it's, it's an interesting case. They used, uh, well, I'll get there in a second. This coming at us from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Police in St. Louis have identified a new serial killer, one Gary Muhlberg. Now, Muhlberg was already in prison for the 1993 murder of a man named Doc Atchison. And in that case, he lured this older man to his house to sell him a used car. Spoiler alert, there was no used car. He just wanted, to, wanted some guy to show up at his house with lots of money. This guy showed up with $6,000 in cash. Uh, Gary Muhlberg killed him and took the money. A friend of his went to police after Muhlberg asked him to move a box in his basement. He goes down and he sees this, guy's, this dead guy's boots hanging out of this makeshift coffin. Now, at the same, around the same time, St. Louis police, they had a number of dead sex workers in their neighborhood. And they were always, these bodies were always packaged up in some way. One woman was found in between two mattresses, one in a box, a couple more in garbage cans. 
So they, they took to calling the serial killer the, the package killer, for want of a better name. And these were all sex workers who worked at this place called the Southside Stroll, which is the red light district there in St. Louis. The victims were 18-year-old Robin Meehan, 27-year-old Brenda Pruitt, 40-year-old Donna Reitmeyer, and 21-year-old Sandy Little. They were all gagged and strangled to death. Now, the police kept sending evidence over the years, kept sending evidence to the lab, hoping that DNA would, the technology would, would get better and better. And finally, just in March of this year, they got a hit. And, and like I said, it wasn't genetic genealogy that did this, but CODIS. And typically, police, when they get DNA samples, they try to run the CODIS markers first because they, CODIS is that uh, system that is both state level and federal where all the bad guys, the people with, with felonies, they get their DNA. So uh, if they get DNA from a different crime, they can run it against the felons already in their database. And they use different markers than genetic genealogy. So it's usually the first thing that they test. Now, this guy, Muehlberg, was, um, am I getting his name right? Yeah, Muehlberg. He, he was in the system, right? But they still didn't have DNA from the victims that was good enough to go into it. So up until, up until this year, in March, they were able to, to use new testing to get that data. They put it in CODIS, and they realized they already had him in prison. They went to Muehlberg, and he admitted it right away. In fact, here's, here's a chilling quote from Muehlberg that appears in this newspaper article. Quote, no matter how, how these victims choose to earn a living, they should not have had their lives taken in such a dark way. He added, quote, I still dislike that negative, dark, short period in my past life, end quote. They suspect that he might be responsible for more than those four murders, by the way. Uh, in weird news, I like to find a kind of a weird, uh, maybe upbeat true crime story for you after the, after the tough ones. Now, I had forgotten about this, but let's not get it off our radar. Uh, this is uh, a reminder post uh, that I found on, on Reddit on the Unresolved Mystery Board by user Bunny Strawberry, and reminds us that federal authorities are still looking for Jetpack Man, the, whoever was flying around in a jetpack and scaring pilots around LAX earlier this year. Now, let's go back. The first sighting of Jetpack Man occurred on August 30, 2020, when two different airline pilots reported seeing a guy in a jetpack hovering near LAX at 3,000 feet in the air. This is coming from American 1997, Tower American 1997. We just passed a guy in a jetpack off the left side, maybe 300 yards or so, about our altitude. And the SkyWest pilot kicked in then too and said, we just saw the guy passing by us in the jetpack. Then in October for, on October 14th, just a few weeks later, uh, 2020, China Airlines reported seeing, quote, a flying object like a flight suit jetpack at 1,800 meters. This is followed by another sighting on December 21st, 2020, when a pilot and flight instructor with Sling Pilot Academy captured the first video. They got this guy on video at around 3,000 feet near Palo Verdes, and Catalina Island. Now, put a pin in Catalina Island. We're going to get back to that. And that's out in the water south of L.A., not far from these other sightings. 
and they posted this video and uh, quote, the video appears to show a jetpack, but it could also be a drone or some other object. If it is a guy in a jetpack, then it remains to be seen whether it's a legal test flight or related to the jetpack sightings near LAX earlier this year. And the final sighting uh, so far on July 28, 2021, a pilot reported seeing a flying object that looked like a man in a jetpack roughly 15 miles off the California coast, same area, at 5,000 feet. In air traffic control chatter, the flying object was referred to various, uh, variously as the UFO in Iron Man. Now, interesting thing about that location, and to this day, we don't know what it was. These pilots, these trained pilots, think it was a guy in a jetpack flying around. Now, that's at altitudes where uh, it's just insane for people to be flying around in, in jetpacks. I mean, anywhere is weird to see a guy in a jetpack, right? But that high. Now, that area is interesting, and not to go down a rabbit hole or anything, not to lose too much credibility here, but Catalina Island, and, and that area is where, that, where all these UFO sightings and UAP sightings have happened in the last few years. Remember the Nimitz encounter where they saw the, the Tic Tac? Even the New York Times has reported on this, the Navy fighter pilots that engaged this like Tic Tac-shaped object that was coming in and out of the water. That was around Catalina Island. So something weird's going on down there. Uh, I'm hoping it gets to L.A. later this year, so I'll, I'll take, a, take a look. I'll take my camera. <laughs> Let's jump over to pop culture. I've got There's a lot of new stuff for true crime fans out uh, this week. There's a new a book on Scientology coming out that just dropped, actually. Uh, it's called A Billion Years, which is how you, when you enter Scientology, you sign a contract, a billion-year contract. So A Billion Years by, by Mike Rinder. And here's the write-up for you. Mike Rinder's parents began taking him to the local Scientology Center when he was five years old. After high school, he signed a billion-year contract and was admitted into Scientology's elite inner circle, the Sea Org. Brought to founder L. Ron Hubbard's yacht and promised training in Hubbard's most advanced techniques. Mike was instead put to work swabbing the decks. Still, Rinder bought into the doctrine that his personal comfort was secondary to the higher purpose of Hubbard's world-saving mission. He helped negotiate Scientology's pivotal tax exemption from the IRS and engaged with prominent celebrity members, including Tom Cruise, Lisa Marie Presley, and John Travolta. Yet, Rinder couldn't shake the nagging feeling that something was amiss. Hubbard's promises remained unfulfilled at his death, and his, su his successor, this David Miscavige, was a ruthless and vindictive man who did not hesitate to confine many top Scientologists, Mike among them, to a makeshift prison known as the Hole. How is this still going on? How, is this, how has not everybody been arrested? In 2007, at the age of 52, Rinder finally escaped Scientology. Overnight, he became one of the organization's biggest public enemies. I'm going to check this out. I've always been fascinated with Scientology. They opened up a little shop here in Parma when I was a reporter at, at Scene, probably about close to 15 years ago. And I did the whole routine. I got audit. I, I did the auditing where you hold these things and they try to read your mind and definitely felt like I got brainwashed there. Uh, bizarre stuff. Check it out. A billion years. Now, uh, there's also a new documentary called Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, which premiered on Netflix this week. And I have to say, and I've heard this from other people, 
I have no interest in watching this one. We've, we've, we've revisited the Jeffrey Dahmer case way too many times. The last piece that I really enjoyed because it gave a human perspective on all this was my buddy Backderf's graphic novel, My Friend Dahmer. And if you haven't read that, uh, go check it out. It's brilliant. Uh, get the graphic novel instead of watching this, this new documentary. That's my take anyways. Do what you want. Uh, let's check the charts. It's almost pointless to check the charts. Serial rules them all this week with the updated episode 13. I also want to mention this new podcast called Hoaxed that came out September 21st. You put it on your subscribe list. Check it out. And it's, it's climbing the charts. I think it's like in the 60s right now, but it's going to be, uh, I guarantee it'll be in the top 10 in the next couple weeks. Hoaxed. In 2014, two children told police a shocking story that they were being abused by a satanic cult, a cult headed by their father and by parents and teachers at their school in the wealthy London suburb of Hampstead. The story was a lie, but on the internet, that didn't matter. Hoaxed is an investigation into one of Britain's most serious conspiracy theories, a story about modern-day satanic panic, about the victims whose lives were destroyed, and about the conspiracies, uh, the conspiracists who spread the lie around the world just for shits and giggles. Oh, and it's about the hunt for the perpetrators, the people who forced the kids to lie, the ones who started it all. New episodes drop every Thursday. Uh, important story there. Check it out. And those are the stories for the week. And uh, it's Friday. It's the weekend. We've made it. We're here. We survived. And in the words of the incomparable, uh, the incomparable, let's try that one more time, the incomparable Marie Saul. I promise this is only soda here. Mm. It's LaCroix. I'm going to show you. Uh, because that sounded like it was something more. LaCroix. Uh, I And happy to announce that I'm still sober Sally at this point. So, uh, where was I? Yes, Murray Saw. We do this every week to pay homage to this great uh, god of Cleveland radio. And we got to, 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 get down. Damn it. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.